Welcome back to Arts About. Show about art that's a work of art in itself, Sally, sans Monsieur Stewart. Yes, Mark And because is... he's not here, he can't berate me for my pronunciation. <laughs> exactly. We should speak a lot of French in this program, don't you think? Just to make sure we get it wrong without him here. You're listening to Arts About that is brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And you're here with Artist-in-Residence and Cultural Sounding Board, John Baird, and me, Sally Bailey, and as John has alluded to, Mark is AWOL this week. So uh, Where we is could, he, Sally? Uh, he's in a car somewhere. In a car. Mm. Oh, mm. And, he, and I, I rang him and he did say he had nothing to say. Right. So that's got to be a first. Mm. So... Um, what are you going to talk about this week, John? I'm going back to a favourite subject of mine, art theft. Oh, yes, that is one of your faves, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, I, I always enjoy those um, as well. We had a very big day uh, last Sunday, didn't we, John? Oh, I had a great time in, over in the gardens over mm. there in Montalto on the lawn. Mm. And you know what was interesting for me? What? Is that those big crowds of people at um, art prizes, when the prize is being announced, there's always a coterie of people who are somehow connected to the winner of the prize yes. who erupt in uh, applause. <laughs> yes. It was nice to be in that coterie for once. <laughs> it absolutely was. We did go a little bit nuts, didn't we? Mm. We were very excited because our friend Mike Nichols, who we have on the program a little bit later, actually won the prize and um, we were all super thrilled. We also, after we'd been to the Montalto Prize, it was a big day, we went along to the McClellan Gallery to meet the new director, Lisa Byrne, um, who we talked with and are very excited to have met and very excited that we'll get her on the show fairly soon to talk about what she wants to do there. As we should, our major sponsor. Our major sponsor, indeed. Also this week, well, as I mentioned, alluded to a little earlier, we're going to um, play an interview that I did with Mike Nichols, or that John and I did with Mike Nichols, just a couple of days before he won this prize, to talk about an exhibition that he's got coming up at 45 Downstairs. It's called Bird as Totem, and uh, we're going to play that, which is very appropriate given that his sculpture that won at Montalto uh, this this year is called uh, Seafarer's Totem. And, although he didn't know what the title although was. Although he couldn't remember when we interviewed him. No, that's right. Also on the show, we have Beverly Allen in to talk about the inaugural Writers and Poetry Festival that's going to be on next weekend with an incredible list of speakers. And she's going to enlighten us further as to who they might be and what the festival is all about. So while we, uh, while we get ready to do that, I'm going to play you a track by one of my old faves. It's Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. And this is uh, Egyptian Reggae. The Mornington Peninsula Writers' Festival is a not-for-profit, community-sponsored event coordinated by the Frankston Writers and Poets Society, whose group was formed in July 2017. The vision for the group um, in the future is to start a scholarship fund from profits made to encourage emerging writers of all kinds. And in the studio with us this morning is President of the Society, Beverly Allen. Beverly, welcome to Arts About. Thanks for talking to us today. Thank you, Sally, for inviting me on this wonderful community focused radio thank you it's great a little bit of massaging there yeah (laughs) yeah we do like a little bit of that Beverly tell us a little bit about the group how is it formed and and what what are its parameters the uh the group is made up of uh varying ages of of people that are both writing prose poetry um we've got um People, uh, Marjorie Johnson, who has written, she's on her seventh book, and she's a, quite a senior lady. 
and it gives her inspiration and motivation to come along to the group and to share, as it does with all of the other uh, participants in the group as well. We have guest speakers. At oh times. yes, so you've got a big day coming up, which is, which is what's the date of that? March the tenth. On March the tenth, and that's at the community theatre, which is right next door to us here in RPP, isn't it? In yes. Wilson's Road. Wonderful venue. Yep. Mm. So you've got a big day coming up. That is, um, uh, is this the inaugural presentation in a way? This is the inaugural Writers and Book Festival, mm -hmm. and uh, we are focusing on emerging writers. So this is to provide a platform for them to have their works out in the public and to sign and sell on the day. Mm -hmm. uh, any details, they can get through our website and make contact with us. Um, the diversity of the, the whole festival as well is that we have involved children. Mm -hmm. We're very passionate about... Uh, having a huge focus on children's literacy as well. So th there'll be activities for children ranging from face painting and writing activities for the older children and drawing, etc. for the younger children, of which we've got uh, someone that is qualified to mm -hmm. be... Um, Seeing those fest those activities. So, are there lots of emerging writers on the Mornington Peninsula? There are a lot, okay. <laughs> and a lot more than what I would have thought. Uh, in in this now going out onto Facebook and our website, I'm surprised at how many emerging writers there are, and so I'm so excited, mm. you know, and 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 to be able to provide this platform for them. So, an emerging writer is someone who uh, is. Uh, looking forward to being published in the future or someone who has an ambition to be published in the future. Now, there are no doubt lots of writers who are interested in uh, writing but not necessarily in having a career in writing and or, in fact, being published. Are they still described as emerging writers, do you think, those people? Uh, loosely, John, yes, loosely, <laughs> because you never know when you start writing. The thing about it is that you never know where it's going to lead to. It can lead to a book. And that I, I've found that with, with, uh, within our own group, that people come along and they've never had any experience in writing whatsoever. Mm. And before, a few weeks down the track, they've actually got enough to start a book. And so that's exciting, mm. you know, to, to see that happening. I sometimes wonder how much literary brute there is out there, just sort of notebooks or books that people are writing that will never surface. Mm. That no one will ever mm. read. Yes, and and that's why it's important to get the word out about events like this festival. Sure. Uh, absolutely. So, so first off, you've been we presumably you've been meeting monthly to. Uh, we meet fortnightly at, at the Frankston Library in the long room there. Yes. And this is your first big event. And looking at the list, there are a huge number of speakers. It's a whole day from ten to four, I think, isn't it? Ten to five. Sorry. Ten to five. Mm -hmm. And there is an incredible list of of writers. There's Andrew Rule, who was the editor of the Herald Sun and the writer of the Underbelly series, Father Bob Maguire. Um, I mean, I, I could go on and list them all, but there's there's possibly 15 significant writers. Nikki Johnson, who did Go Away, Mr. Worry Thoughts, I know, that was became a theatre production at the, at the um, Frankston Arts Centre. Um, it's uh, somebody from the Indigenous Literary Foundation. This yes. Is, this is amazing. So what, what form does the day take? Well, well, the, st the start of it, we've got also uh, Paul Kennedy from ABC 24, mm -hmm. who's the author of a book. And the 
speakers uh, guest list, people can choose to hear whatever authors, speakers that they want to from the list that they will be provided at the door of the program. And in the foyer, the emerging writers as well as the authors, uh, the guest authors will be, their works will be there to be signed um, and selling on the day. Mm-hmm. So um, there'll be quite a mix and it'll also be uh, very good for the self-esteem of the emerging writers to catch up with a lot of the people that are already well-known. Mm, very encouraging and also mm, um, mm. validating, I'm sure. And uh, it's always great to hear how difficult often it is for emerging artists to, from from more senior um, artists. It's very encouraging, I think, because yes. you actually realise everybody starts out the same way. Do you include the craft of spoken word in... In, yeah, yes, and the we writing? Do. Yes, we do. Yeah, and uh, we have uh, our, our wonderful um, uh, member, Anne Simic, who is an absolutely fabulous uh, poet, um, is very, very, uh, very, very passionate about the spoken word mm. as well. So, yes, um, and I believe Anne is, uh, is going to be interviewed um, again on 3RPP at some stage before the, the actual event which is on the 10th of March. Wonderful. So how, if people would, first of all, there's, there's two ways that people can get involved in this. Obviously, they could join the society itself, the, the group that, the, that meets fortnightly, fortnightly, sorry, um, and also uh, to come along to this particular day, which might be a fabulous introduction for a lot of people to the society. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, through the uh, Frankston Writers and Poets Society. And uh, we're an incorporation, by the way, so we're not for profit. And they can contact me through the website if they go onto the website of Mornington Peninsula uh, WritersFest.org, then they'll have contact details for me and on Facebook as well, and I'll respond within 24 hours. And is that how people can get tickets for the event as well? Yes, there's ticketing online. Uh, it's only $10 for a whole day's entertainment for adults and children are free. And there's Eventbrite, which they can book their tickets through there. And And, and demographics, who do you think is going to be interested? Well, so far with our Facebook um, uh, program, I'm told that the demographics are ranging anywhere so far from late 30s right up to baby boomers. So it's a vast, it's covering a vast area of demographics there. Which is pleasing. Mm. Well, I will put links to all of those things on our Facebook page as well and uh, and um, reiterate that that's a call out for anybody out there who is interested in the craft uh, of, uh, of writing, poetry, novels, any... any uh, version of that i would imagine memoirs memoirs yes. exactly there's there's all sorts of and anybody who's got something perhaps an old uh, a manuscript under the bed this may be a great way to encourage you to get out there and maybe even try to get it published just take it in there and slam it down on the desk yeah absolutely exactly <laughs> thank you so very much for talking to us thank today beverly thank you for the time it's it's wonderful and uh, we look forward to hearing how it all goes you're listening to Arts About on RPPFM with Sally and John and we've just been talking to Beverly Allen about the inaugural Writers and Poets Society that's going to be on Saturday the 10th of March at the Community Theatre right next to us here at RPP. In the meantime, here's a few messages from our sponsors and after that we're going to hear from John and your musings.
And now it's time for John, John on. on. Theft. Another good crime story, I suspect. Well, uh, really, I'm, I'm sort of interested in um, not just the fact that people steal art, but the motivations and what they actually do with it after they've stolen mm. it. You know? And this is all prompted by uh, a story in the, uh, I read in a newspaper recently about a uh, Degas pastel that was found on a parcel shelf of a bus wrapped up in paper. And um, they, in France, they uh, apparently occasionally pull buses over and just go through them and search them for either bombs or for people who shouldn't be in France, you know, the, oh. that, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And whilst doing that, they found this Degas up on the parcel shelf and no one on the bus would admit to. Of course not. That would have been it. a bit unexpected, first of and all. Had in, it had, in fact, been stolen a couple of years previously and was returned to its owners. Uh, and it's interesting that people do, in fact, steal art, because if you think about it, uh, they keep... Art is uh, has a process of promoting itself as having a huge swing tag, which is another one of my issues, as mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So people will see museums or collections that people are able to go and look at, and the swing tags are huge, so there might be hundreds of millions of dollars on the wall... And some people think to themselves, clearly, well, if I can get my hands on that, it's going to be worth a lot of money. And they set about stealing it. Um, one of the reasons that art's stolen, I think, is because in order for it to have a relationship with its audience, it needs to be fairly accessible. You know, you, you need to be able to stand in front of it and look at it. It's no good looking at a work of art. Uh, if it's going to be locked behind some kind of some defences, in fact, the best way to look about a work of art is to have it in your hands and hold it and feel it and look at it. Yes, and turn it round in the light. Yeah, we don't have that opportunity, but we do have the opportunity to stand in front of them while they're on a wall. Yeah, and uh, people take that opportunity as uh, as their own. You know? Yeah. And take the art as their own. But it is a, there's a conundrum there, of course, because if it, anybody that would appreciate art is probably going to know whether or not that piece of work has been stolen or not, or they may know. Who can these uh, people there are, show, who well, can there show are, to? There are more than that conundrum. You know, the the, uh, the issue, of course, is what do you do with it? Yeah. You know, the, as you say, the more it's worth, the more likely it is to be very well known yeah. and uh, more difficult to deal with if it's been stolen. Uh, but apparently what happens is that criminals, and, you know, I guess they are criminals, aren't they? Yeah, they, absolutely they are. Um, they will uh, hang on to a work of art if it's an extremely valuable one. Rather than uh, try and sell it in on the black market, that happens sometimes, but uh, rather than doing that if it's a very well-known painting, they'll hang on to it as a kind of uh, insurance or ransomable uh, object. Uh, they do get pennies get ransomed. The insurance industry refuses to acknowledge that they pay ransoms. <gasps> really? But they do say that they will pay large sums of money um, for information leading to the recovery of a painting. Oh, which is kind which of which is essentially a ransom, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's code for paying a ransom. Right. So if an insurance company can recover a fifty million dollar painting by paying five million dollars. It's cheaper ransom, for them. They're going to do it. Yes. You know. And um, I think the people who steal these, the high-end paintings, they know that. They know that they, 
that it's ransomable. Um, the industry really doesn't like that being spoken about. You know, they don't like the mm. the fact that they are people will pay ransoms being out there because it just encourages the theft in the first place. Yes. The other the other thing they do with them is that they'll use them as a bartering tool amongst themselves in the in the criminal world. So that if you want to um, if you want to buy a load of drugs or something, you can use it as a uh, I've got a five million dollar pension. Yeah, look, I'll in the back. send I you. I'll send you the give me your Degar um, pastel yeah. if you send me a kilo of cocaine, and yeah. then I'll pay for the cocaine afterwards, and you can give me the painting back. That kind of oh oh really that sort of arrangement. So um, yes, it's barter. Yeah, goodness me. Um, there was a notorious uh, situation where a very valuable painting was handled by a uh, a diamond uh, and gold dealer in Amsterdam, and uh, he managed to um, get possession of it um, in exchange for some diamonds and some gold, and then tried to sell it. Um, and it was pretty quickly discovered that this painting had been stolen from a private collection and uh, suddenly everyone knew where it was because this guy was quite openly trying to sell it. And, uh, Bit of an idiot. Yeah, well, he lost the painting and the diamonds and the gold, you know, yeah. so his sort of uh, his trading efforts didn't really work out for him. Yeah, 101, crime 101, don't, yeah. don't be too obvious. Out of all of this yeah. and all of the reasons that you might steal art... What is very rare, as it turns out, is uh, what motivated the um, theft of the Picasso in Melbourne. Oh, yes. Which essentially was to um, point out to the state government that there were uh, great big holes in the amount of money being uh, spent on uh, on the arts in Victoria and particularly uh, grants to emerging artists, younger artists. And uh, so the theft was used as a way of getting that argument into the media. Mm, a political act. Yeah. It was also, of course, a, uh, uh, in an effort to point out that the security at the NGV was low. A little bit less than it should have been. Yeah. It's essentially they just lifted it off the wall and took it. I think things have changed quite dramatically since those days, of um, course. There are all sorts of ways of securing paintings to walls and uh, securing them within frames uh, without um, putting a condom between us and the work. You know, So you can still look at that little Picasso in the NGV, get quite close to it. Mm. Uh, you can't touch it without... No. Uh, Alarms up. going off or somebody yeah. leaping on top no. of you. I know that because I've tried. You've tried, have you? Yeah. Yes. Well, I do have a friend who is an artist in London, and this many years ago, this was in the 80s, and she decided she always wanted to be hung in the Tate, so she took a piece of her artwork oh. in there and actually <laughs> hung it on the wall. Oh, in reverse. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I know it is excellent, <laughs> isn't it? Was, yeah. Let's we hope we don't all start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I would think that these days it's almost impossible. Yeah. You're frisked almost before you go in. Uh, yeah, well, do they search you on the way in? That's interesting. Uh, I think, mm, actually, they don't let you take backpacks in, do they? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, and no longer can you take a, uh, like a pencil case. You used to be able to take a pad and pencil case into most public galleries mm -hmm. and lay on the floor and draw all day. Yes. Uh, but pencils are seen as very dangerous items in galleries these days. They have a pointy end. They have a pointy end, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
<laughs> Although they do, I, I have walked into uh, occasionally a class or a group in the NGV that are doing exactly yeah, that, under, but uh, under severe supervision. Yeah. 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 I used to make a mess in there and I loved it. And laying on the floor with charcoal on paper, drawing mm. the pre-ink and well, you'd be one of ceramic the reasons, collection. You know? <laughs> you'd be one of the reasons they've stopped that practice then. Oh, they seem to enjoy me, do <laughs> Yeah. Of course they did, and of course they should. Yeah. It actually is exactly what should be going on in galleries. It's, mm. uh, you know, it's a, an inspiration. It should be used as an inspiration to well, emerging a, artists. It's a collection uh, um, that should be used as a tool, as much as mm. a uh, something to delight people and something to something to learn from. Yeah, that's right. Well, we better move on. And um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Mike Nichols uh, is returning to 45 Downstairs with a series of sculptures, drawings and prints exploring his personal iconography. It's called Birder's Totem. And uh, he, we got to talk to him and pre-record an interview with him a few days before he won the coveted Montalto Prize mm. last weekend, which was so exciting. I don't think he had that in mind, really, didn't he? I don't think he thought he was going to win it. Well, he's so incredibly casual about things. He couldn't yeah. even remember the title of the work when we asked yeah, him that's right. in, in this interview. Anyway, so he, when, we, when we recorded this interview, he hadn't realised that he had won this prize. Um, for those of you that don't know him, his work has been included in prizes and galleries across Australia, some of which is in the permanent collections of the NGV, the Australian National Gallery, the Holmes Court and the Bales Meyer collections. It's at Heidi at Tarawara and now of course at Montalto um, that, and uh, you can see his work in also in innumerable regional galleries in Victoria and New South Wales so here he is pre-Montalto win uh, talking about his upcoming exhibition at 45 downstairs called Birds as Totem. I mentioned on the show last week, Mike Nichols has an exhibition that's opening up at 45 Downstairs, Bird is Totem. Uh, I think it opens up on the 6th. He's in the studio with us today. Well, actually, we're actually pre-recording it. That's an odd confession, Sally. I know, it is a little bit. I'm not sure how I'm going to get my head around that. But anyway, for those of you who might not know, Mike Nichols has based his art practice on, on the concept of Indigenous culture and the art of the Oceanic region. His new exhibition, which is a series of sculpture, drawing and prints, exploring his personal iconography, Birders Totem, opened at 45 downstairs or opens on the 6th of March and based on the totem of a bird. As a metaphor, I think, to comment on issues affecting all of our lives, or the environment and the higher being. He is a great raconteur. He's a great friend, and he's in the studio with us this morning. Thanks for talking to us today on Arts About Mike Nichols. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. As well as this exhibition that opens in a, in a few days, you have a piece of your, one of your amazing totems at the Montalto as part of the Montalto Prize, don't you? Yeah, that's correct, yes. Yeah, what's that one called? I actually don't know, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm waiting to have Haven't a look at the... Haven't they told year. you yet, Mike? Oh, well, you put, you put all these things in months beforehand, and um, when it comes to time, people asking you what it is, I'm actually waiting for the catalogue to come out so I can um, have a look. Oh, <laughs> so they've titled it or you've forgotten? I've forgotten. Fair enough. Well, I have to admit to having visited you out at your studio uh, a couple of months ago and being absolutely staggered at the amount of pieces that there were firstly all around your this this farm your parents farm out at Narrawarren um, but also in the studio there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of sculptures and paintings and drawings and so on so I'm not surprised he's forgotten so tell us about bird as a totem Mike is it an exhibition that you've worked 
have you created this work for the exhibition or is it a compilation of things that you have done that follow a theme? Um, it's a bit of both, a bit of a compilation um, and it's the sort of thing that I've been working on and it's just a collection of... Um, I've been making a lot of sculptures and drawings to do with birds and I thought it'd be really nice just to put together a nice little sort of um, show of those works. So, yeah, a, a totem is sort of something that's natural. It could be a stone or... Um, animal and mm -hmm. it's just something that you hold in reverence and yep. so you can adopt that sort of reverence for you know a, one person or a group of people can adopt that and I've adopted um, the bird as sort of my totem just through working with the indigenous peoples up in mm -hmm. Cape York and um, I was just thinking you know like I, I don't you know not really sort of crocodile or stingray or echidna <laughs> or something like that so you know my actual um totem was the sort of um australia's oh, biggest store. um is it jabiru jabiru, jabiru yeah. sorry. beautiful birds yeah, yeah, yes, yes from up north yeah mm. the, the idea of a totem harks back to tribal life tribalism i actually read in your press release can i read that, that yeah, yeah. there's a quote here humanity for all our technological advances is still a society based on tribalism i think really when it all comes down to it we're humans aren't we yeah, yeah. No, it's like um, Picasso and a lot of the earlier artists took on um, tribal art as the beginning of sort of where the, where to start making their art. As a student, I thought that'd be a good place to start myself. And so, yeah, it's just I just sort of like a lot of their um, concepts in their culture. You mm -hmm. know, just the respect of elders and um, yeah, there's various sort of you know, like if you go out country with them, they wipe the sweat on you. So. Um, the ancestors can find you if you get lost and things like that. So a lot of those things really appeal to me rather than a religion. I just rather sort of, um, you know, probably more respect for the natural world mm -hmm. and our environment. So, yeah, it's just sort of, I don't know. A and nice traditional life too. Yeah, yeah, it's just a sort of metaphor that I, I find that I can actually express things through yeah, because it sort of came probably from um, like the earth mother, mm -hmm. the seed, and then... That evolved into an egg and then the bird sort of evolved with that. And so it's just a sort of sequence of events that have led to, you know, using the bird as a sort of totem. Mm -hmm. Mike, do you remember uh, when the museum was in the where the library is now, in the Latrobe Library? Is it the Latrobe Library? Or the, the Melbourne Library, anyway, it held the museum. Yeah. Downstairs in the cellar was a collection of um, Pacific carvings, Papuan, and did you ever see that? Oh, look, it would have been... I'm sort of a bit of a country kid, so I didn't get into the city too much. But mm -hmm. I, I do be, bemoan um, the muse, museum now because now you've actually got to make an appointment to be able to go and see those works. They're not really yeah. on display. Well, I was actually wondering where they are. They're, they're, they're in the museum, but they're just... Um, they're not on display. They'll bring out a couple of pieces here and there right. with certain exhibitions. But basically, you have to make an appointment to um, get to see them, which is a bit frustrating I can remember first seeing them when I was about 16 or 17 years old and I can still remember the feeling of... It was a shifting moment for me, mm. seeing that collection. It was... Something happened to me. Right. Not sure whether it was good or bad. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's sort of like with the New Guineans with the skulls, you know, they sleep with them. Right. And it's sort of, you know, to keep their ancestors close to them and respects. So I've sort of, you know, like made a sculpture with somebody walking with a skull and it's called walking with the ancestors sort of thing. But there's a lot of those sort of thoughts in, in those cultures that I sort of transgressed to um, Western culture to um, 
comment on events that are happening within I think society. One of the things that happened to me when I was looking at that work is that I ended up thinking, well, this is where I live, you know, as opposed to what I was being offered on the television or uh, in magazines, on in newspapers. European and, art. Well, yeah, the the kind of European house with mm -hmm. the, the sofa and the television and all of that sort of life, which was utterly different to the Papuan carvings. But when I looked at the carvings, I thought, well... This is actually about the location that I live in, this sort of work. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, I've, I've always wanted to, you know, with your thoughts exactly, I've always wanted to distill um, an Australianness in my work. Right. And rather than looking at European work, I was sort of drawn to looking what's in my own backyard. Right. Culture, you know, and... Um, lumps of wood. Yeah, lumps of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Well, some of your totems are enormous, and I'm assuming that the one that's at Montalto is a very big piece of wood, is it? Yeah, it's about 3.3 metres. Yeah. It's sort of one single bit of wood. And my, my sculptures are very um, not very minimal. I'll have like one or two, three images within a piece of timber. Just, uh, just I don't know, I find it easier to read mm. in Do a way. Do you join and, wood? No, I don't like to join. It just um, It's a lot of work in joining, and yeah. also... If you ever got to get a problem with it, that's where it'll be, is right. in the joints. And most mm. people want to put work outside. Right. So it's sort of one way of avoiding um, technical issues. Sure. So they're huge telephone pole-sized pieces of woods often yeah. that you begin with. How, like, What do you work with? Do you work with a chainsaw? Do you work with... What do you work with? Yeah, no, I work with a chainsaw, and that's mainly just to sort of um, just for logistical reasons to take a lot of the weight out of the sculpture and it's just a process of whittling in the end it's sort of start with the bigger tools and sort of work down and um, eventually finish just with um, chisels because it's sort of very easy to cut away too much with the chainsaw so absolutely so I, I leave it fairly blocky and I'm sort of a bit brancusi in my fastidiousness of um of, of my sculptures, so I sort of um, refine them quite a lot. So it's a lot to do with balance um, and you know line structure and sort of feeling and all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, they're, they're, although they're figurative, they're quite abstract to me as well. Yeah, okay. Um, in the exhibition that's on at Forty Five downstairs, are there some of your paintings as well or drawings? Um, just. Yeah, drawings um, and the prints. I actually haven't sort of curated it yet. I've, sort of oh, got, okay. it, I've got it sort of yep. all sitting in the shed. <laughs> Just been a bit slack. It's going to be great, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got some put aside, and, and then I just sort of keep rethinking things because I actually like to bring in a couple of my older pieces mm -hmm. just so that people can see that you've actually been following this line for quite a while, so it gives it a bit of history Yeah. when people look at it. So, yeah, most of it's within the last year or two, and then I'm just going to put in one or two pieces from probably five or six years or ten years mm -hmm. ago just so that people can see that the, the, the thought of yes. um, process and the concept. It's a great space, and uh, it, you must be looking forward to filling it at that space there. It's a terrific Mm, it's a, yeah. it's a I mean, great the venue, the, you know, Yeah, the gallery itself downstairs. is beautiful. I love going down, downstairs into a gallery rather than upstairs to, for some reason. Yeah, yeah no, well, it's actually one of the... Like, of all the shows that I go and see, 45 Downstairs seems to put on... Or it's a rental space to begin with, and it's usually artists that don't have galleries mm. that are showing there. But I always find that the shows there are the most sort of powerful shows yeah, that, that, that I see around, you know, through all the commercial galleries. So I always enjoy sort of um, popping in and seeing who's on. And a lot of friends 
sort of put on shows there. But it's sort of a it's nice for the unrepresented artists right. to be able to sort of you know exhibit in a really professional sort of space. Mm. Great location and a good space too. Yeah. So you began your studies at like it must have been your formal training, I should say. 30 years ago, maybe longer yeah. at Caulfield? Yeah, probably about 33. Yeah, okay. And then then moved to Foot, Fitzroy. Fitzroy, yeah. And were part of the founding group uh, of raw artists, That's correct, yeah. yeah. These days you practice singularly, of course. Well, raw no longer exists. Do you still feel rooted in that time? In that? Not really, mm. not really. It's actually, you know, like the raw days were good for when we were there but actually don't really like being associated with them oh, too okay. much no, no 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 that's okay because it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like a bygone era and my work sort yeah. of moved on quite a lot and people have a sort of concept of what work that you produce yeah and uh, I, I know the curators and people like that you know, if I bring up raw, they sort of put you on the blacklist. So <laughs> I try try not to bring it up oh, too okay. often. Because <laughs> they were all a little bit crazy or you all yeah, were a little well, bit we, crazy. We, well, we, you were breaking we, boundaries. Yeah, well, we were outside the system yep. and, and the institutions really didn't like it. Mm. You've also got, I think you mentioned to me the other day, that you've got another exhibition at some point soon coming up at Merrick's General Store. Yeah, later on. In later the, on in the year. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't quite been confirmed yet. No, okay then. But but we we expect that we'll see you there. So of course we for our listeners down here on the peninsula, that's great because it's much more local, and they'll if they can't get to see you at forty five downstairs, which I recommend that you probably should, because it is such a fan, fantastic venue for all sorts of things. They can I see some of your work at Montalto at the moment, a big piece, yeah. and uh, possibly something coming later in the year. We could go on for hours, but we actually don't have time. It's wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming in to Arts About the Day, Mike Nichols. And congratulations uh, getting into the prize and, and fingers crossed that you do well. Yes, well, we'll wait and see. Thank you, John and Sal, for having me. Been Great a pleasure. pleasure. I'll put links on the Facebook page so that people can find you and uh, the Montalto Prize and 45 Downstairs. Okay, thank you very you much. Soon. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Well, that was a little fortuitous, wasn't it? That we recorded that and then he won the prize. And then he won the prize. Yeah, Wasn't was, that great? That was good. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, get down to Montalto if you like. I mean, the, the the prize itself at Montalto is an extraordinary thing and we were both commenting on it, weren't we, last uh, weekend? It, well, the landscape is lovely and, uh, you know, the architecture is okay. Um, and with the sculptures peppered out and pepped throughout the winery. I the think sheer volume of them and the, and the size of the project of getting that, all that work out each time. It's a Mornington Peninsula thing, it would seem these days, mm. that to have a, a, a large rural property peppered with sculpture. Yes. And there's the Point Leo operation. Absolutely. Not far away. And, uh, Bales Meyer and, yep. uh, all sorts of little collections around the joint. And it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing, yes. Mm. It gets people outdoors, if nothing else. Yeah. As I was saying the other day, Sally, we were sitting there looking out across the landscape. I, I just said, I'm very tempted to lease a paddock on the other side of the view and put a piece of my own work over there outside of the winery. <laughs> With the same audience. It would mm. need to be very big. About the size of the Statue of Liberty or something. <laughs> yes. You better start working on that one. Mm. Uh, now, coming up in a minute, uh, on March the 10th, actually, at the Frankston Art Centre, is a thrilling new Australian drama from the multi-award winning writer of The Last Cab to Darwin, which was a film, I think, that oh, yeah. um, Cliff talked about yeah. some time ago. Um, critical stages, 
uh, and presents Reg Gribbs, Thomas Murray and the Upside Down River. And it is a production that is about a man who's ravaged by drought, family secrets and love. It's about the Murray family who've been farming land along the Darling River for five generations. It's so great, isn't it, hearing stories about that are that are about our country. Mm. It's, it's a lovely name for a river, the Darling River. I know it doesn't refer to Darling. In, it refers to the... The Darling family. The Darling family, yeah. But yes. uh, it is a nice name for a river. Although and I've been on the banks of the Darling River and it was no Darling to me. Wasn't it? No. Why? Was it overflowing? Or? Oh, it was just a red-hot day and a um, kind of a crunchy underfoot feel that I'm not particularly fond of. <laughs> it was too. It was too hot and dry for your it wasn't liking. A gr- it wasn't a green meadow. No, and of course, as we as we know, most of, a lot of those rivers, and, and it refers to it in the title of this production, um, do appear to be upside down rivers. In fact, I think even Ayara is called that at times, the upside oh, yeah. down river, because it's Often. muddy. Mm. Mm. Well, this production is coming to the Frankston Art Centre. I think originally it was uh, uh, on in the Griffin Theatre in Sydney um, last year sometime. It's been uh, remounted, refocused, and it is coming to the Frankston Art Centre, I think, in a in a national tour. And the Frankston Art Centre have contacted us because they're going to offer... Uh, a couple of free tickets to that event oh, yeah. um, on at, uh, as I say, at the Frankston Art Centre on March the 10th. If you're interested and would like to come along to see that show, uh, send me a quick message on our Facebook page and the first person to do so will get a double uh, double tickets to that show. So uh, uh, give us a... Give us a contact. I'll get Send Amanda a right onto it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, and as we mentioned a little bit earlier too at the top of the show, John, we went along and met the new director at McClellan, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, Lisa Byrne. And had an opportunity to have a look at the gallery while we were there. Well, I did. I went into the gallery rooms and uh, that show's still on, which uh, I... Framing Nature. Yep. Which yep. I absolutely love. It is a fantastic show, mm. showing the most remarkable pieces that are part of that McClellan collection, mm. as well as new things, of course. And she seems to be a bright spark. Yeah, she does. Mm. Young female uh, has been uh, involved in the Maroondah um, Art Gallery, mm. I think, previously to this. And we're going to get her on the show in a little while to talk about uh, what she sees as coming up at McClellan. In fact, she rattled off... Sally, a list of things that she'd been doing mm-hmm. over the years and as the list got longer I kept looking at her and thinking well that's a lot for a 17 year old to be doing you know? <laughs> Well I'm sure she'd love to hear herself described as a 17 year old, clearly she's not but she uh, is certainly a young woman and uh, we are thrilled to have her um, taking over our new yeah. gallery Yeah, So that's wonderful. Now Coming up now, I'm going to play a song uh, by a Venezuelan-American. His name is Devendra Banharts, and his music's been associated with the new weird American genre. How do you like that? Psychedelic folk, avant folk, freak folk, hipster folk revival, and alternative folk. And I thought, why not? So here's a track from him. It's called Won't You Come Over from an album called Marla. See what you think. Okay, well, what did you think about that? It wasn't that freaky, was it? Uh, I thought that was terrific. I liked the earlier track too. Oh yeah, you did too. The uh, the Egyptian reggae by Jonathan Richmond. Well, yeah. Who doesn't like Jonathan Richmond? Reminiscent of my friends who had a band called Farouk and their country and eastern band. 
I so love the sound of that band. Yeah, they used to wear fezzes. Oh, did they? Hmm. Play in Melbourne? Yeah, parties mostly. Oh, my goodness. Studios. I wonder if anything exists of them. I might see whether I can find them. They probably probably not. Um, now, guess what? You can't feel the typewriter. Hark! It's time for the news, of course. Mm. First up on our list this week is uh, Play on the Art of Sport, uh, the Nets Victoria and Ian Potter Museum touring exhibition celebrating 10 years of the Basil Sellers Art Prize on at the Mornington Peninsula Gallery until April the 29th. Uh, A Woman's Place finishes tonight at SPAC, tonight being tonight, Southern Peninsula Arts Centre. Yeah, that's right. Yes, March the fourth. Yes, I think there's something on. It's quite early, actually. Mm. If you're interested in going down, go onto their website. There's a link on our Facebook page. Thomas and the Upside Down River by Reg Cribb is on at the Franklin Arts Centre on March the tenth. That's next weekend. From award, um, he was the award-winning screenwriter of The Last Camp to Darwin, and I know lots of people will have seen that film. Um, and uh, we have two free tickets for that and the per- first person to contact me on the website uh, our Facebook page I should say will get a couple of free tickets Café Philosophique des Toilettes take that mark yeah take that mark began their weekly conversations and poetry at the Alex Theatre last Wednesday and they will be repeating each Wednesday evening with graffiti inspired poetry and uh, I reckon that might be fun Another thing that I think is will be fun is mm. there's an exhibition which I think we might we should go out to John perhaps mm. um Hillary May uh, arrives uh, marries geometric and the abstract in a solo show that was on at the Sydney Gallery of Contemporary Art last year I saw it up there mm. um it's incredible it's now travelling to Tarawara of Museum of Art with a small exhibition of that that is a uh, compiled from that larger one that was on at Sydney um, it's remarkable. Uh, the more you look at it, the more closely, uh, um, the closer you look at it, the more wonderful it becomes. It's grids of wood and paint uh, that really muck you around. It's it's quite exciting. If you feel like a drive in the country, there's no better place to end up for lunch and some seriously good art than Tarawara. Tarawara is a great place to go, even if there's nothing on the walls. Yeah, that's true. And it's on. Um, it's on that that exhibition's going to be on there until um, the. End of April, I think. John Baird, up at Art House Gallery uh, in Sydney, March the 23rd. That's coming up. Yeah, that's it's good. called Regatta. Oh, that's right, the one that reminds me And I went that. up there during the year and made some drawings of a yachting regatta on the harbour and I've made some paintings resulting from those. Amazing. Mm. I'd like to get up to see that. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to. No. But uh, I would absolutely love to. I'm we, going we to go could, up. Well, of course you're going to go up and I hope that we get a chance to talk to you while you're up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. I've booked the RWP apartment. Oh, have you? Mm-hmm. Does Swanee know? <laughs> Where well, is he there, is he? I don't know. He, <laughs> he does turn up there quite regularly, right. yes. Okay. Oh, I'll see if there's any signs of him having been about. <laughs> Wonderful. It's been a great show today. Of course, we've had uh, Mike Nichols, uh, Mont- Montalto Prize winner. His work is on at... Uh, um, Montalto, his winning piece is still, of course, with all the other nominated um, sculptors on Now part there. of the, permanently part of the collection. And now part of the permanent collection, which we are thrilled about. His exhibition at 45 Downstairs um, opens to this week, so I think that runs for uh, until the end of the month or for a couple of weeks, perhaps. 
the Writers' Society, that's on also on March the 10th here at the Community Arts Centre. Have a look on our Facebook page. There will be links to that. You can either join the Society if you want to or you could even come along for the specific day and see what they have to offer. If you've just tuned in, you've missed Arts About. I'm sorry to say, you can hear uh, the repeat on Wednesdays at 12 or listen to the podcast on the station website. We'll be on again same time next week, 11am Sunday. As I said, you can find links to lots of the things we've been talking about uh, on our Facebook page. Also, you get a chance to uh, send me a message and maybe get uh, a couple of free tickets to the production that's on at the Frankston Arts Centre. It's an uber-connected world, isn't it? It most certainly is. We are really getting with the programme. Remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art. But we know what we like. Get on your mic. Yes, and uh, come back, Mark. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot about Mark. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to do that.